You're listening to the Open Podcasts. Yeah, oh, well done. Well done, Marco Mira. I can't even really express the way I feel about it. I mean, it's beyond belief. If I only had one, that would be the one that I'd want. Brian Watts. Part of me is so excited. Here I am getting to talk about it again 23 years later. But there's also a part of me that's very disappointed I didn't win. Tiger Woods break from his left to right. I was always trying to do the catcher. Well, they made Minshew do that. He was just out driving by a country mile. Get on my son. It was going to be challenging that week. The weather was going to make it brutal out there on the golf course. And I believe they're going to stop play. They've suspended play. Well, this may be the story of this Open Championship. Justin Rose. Get in, they cry. That's the one shot that I've had to try to live up to and get past. Tiger at the 18th. Would you believe it? As I was lining my putt up, I actually felt very confident that I was going to make it. My son, Sean, as Brian Watts was walking into the bunker, he looked up at me and he's like, Dad, you're going to win. And I said, well, you have to expect the unexpected. Your mind is just going, how am I going to get this ball onto the green, knowing that I have to get it onto the green and make some kind of miracle putt to go into a playoff? That, under these circumstances, was quite magical. My name's Tommy Fleetwood, and I've played in a few Opens myself. Big chance for Fleetwood. Tied at the top. But back in 1998, I was just a lad, hopping the fence of Royal Birkdale, the incredible golf course just down the road from where I grew up in Southport, as the best players in the world geared up for the 127th Open Championship. The place was buzzing, and all eyes were on one young American. What uh, an amazing talent is this man. Hope we see more of him. Tiger Woods had turned professional in 96 and a year later captured his first major title at the Masters. Now, age 22, Woods prepared for his fourth Open Championship by practicing on the links of Ireland's Atlantic coast. I figured it's probably best to come over and just be relaxed. We fished all the time over in, in Ireland. We played golf. Unfortunately, the golf got in the way of fishing. So that's, that was kind of the mindset we, we all had last week, just to stay relaxed and prepare, but also to understand that you don't want to peak last week, you want to peak this week, and uh, not to stress yourself out. By Tiger's side that week was his closest friend. Marco Mira had been a guiding light to golf's brightest talent throughout the early years of his career. When he got ready to turn pro, my manager at the time was going to be his manager, and they called and said, look, we're moving Tiger into the development, you know, in a town home right behind where you live there at Isleworth. Uh, would you look after him? I'm like, sure. He has my cell phone. Just have him call me when he gets here. And he did. And the rest is kind of history, you might say. And I've told Tiger this personally. I mean, he changed my life. You know, he made me a better player. But I also felt like as a, 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 a older guy, you know, I could take him under my wing and, you know, help him. O'Meara had been one of the game's most consistent players for years, without ever breaking through to win a big title. That was until the spring of that year when he too captured his first major at Augusta. My name's Louine Mayer. I covered golf for the Daily Telegraph and I was there for the 1998 Open. That purple patch, was a lot of it was down to Tiger, who had been um, poking fun at him, really, and saying, you know, you're a pretty good player, so how come you haven't won a major? You know, you've been hanging around all these years and you've not done it, so why not? Once he'd won at the Masters, then he knew he was all right from then on. You know, he felt he, he had so much more confidence in himself. And although he didn't walk around acting in a confident manner, there was a quiet confidence about him. The 41-year-old Almira had plenty of reasons to feel good about making the trip to Birkdale. You know, winning the old Lawrence Batley Invitational, now that was the English Open later on in life, at Birkdale, I believe it was in 89. And then coming back a couple years later in 91 and playing well there in the Open Championship and being paired in the final group uh, with Ian Baker Finch. Oh, well, that was going on, Marco Mira, for his four at the 15th. He's got one. He moves back to four under in fourth place all on his own. You know, I didn't win, obviously, but... You know, those experiences certainly put a positive light 
in my mind. So, you know, I always welcome the opportunity to come back and play at Birkdale. Excitement also surrounded a talented crop of young amateurs. They included the 98 amateur champion Sergio Garcia, the American Matt Kutcher, and a 17-year-old Englishman, Justin Rose. My name's Andy Oates, and I was at the 1998 Open at Royal Birkdale. I'd heard a bit about Sergio, so we followed Sergio, and he was a bit captivating in terms of how he, you know, you could tell he was going to be good going forward. Flamboyant, big swing, very demonstrative, even at that age. You could see the star quality in Sergio that week. Now, Sia, our amateur champion, look out. <laughs> you know, obviously, I'm very familiar with Sergio. We played a lot of golf, you know, a lot of amateur golf against one another. You know, he was definitely the star of the show, for sure. And obviously, Cooch came in, you know, having some good performances in majors already. And uh, so, you know, those guys, you know, I stole their thunder. The fact that I qualified at Hillside was just a great way for me to end my amateur career playing in the Open Championship before turning pro and playing uh, the Dutch Open the very next week as a professional. I remember, anyway, chipping in on the 18th pole, believe it or not, in qualifying as well. Some 18 groups are on the course at the moment. Lee Westwood, uh, the talented player from Britain who's won some seven titles in the last nine months. 9.25, he went off with Brad Faxon and Trevor Dodds. And just after them, Tiger Woods with pair Ulrich Johansson and Nick Price. I made a, a very big putt on one for par from about eight feet. And then on number two, is, I'm looking like scrambling for a par. And realistically, I was facing bogey right in the eye. And fortunately enough, ball came out good, made a a great putt down there to about a foot and uh, tap that end. Tiger Woods, and that's the putt we've been waiting for, a lovely birdie. My name's Andy Hughes, and I was at Royal Birkdale for the 1998 Open. We were 14 at the time. Obviously, we were pretty local to, to Royal Birkdale, so we were keen golfers at that age ourselves. To be, so to go to the Open so close to our doorstep was a, was a huge event, and we were, we were so looking forward to it as young lads. Tiger Woods at the fifth. He really accelerates through the ball. Back when Tiger burst onto the scene, he was the one that was, you know, was just out driving by a country mile. And even now they talk about the sort of swing rotation and the power, and it was just phenomenal to see. And the noise difference for me, I always remember that noise of Tiger's swing was slightly different to, to every, other, every other pro that came through uh, that tee box. You know, Tiger was, he was exceptional at the time, and I think his future career proved how good he was. Tiger Woods coming in uh, from the opposite side of Nick Price, a break from his left to right. Well, they made mincemeat of that. The Birkdale crowd were treated to a Tiger on the charge early on Thursday, and he was clearly loving the Merseyside welcome. Well, Tiger Woods is uh, another birdie opportunity here on the seventh hole, and uh, he's played beautifully so far, and uh, this is a realistic chance. He's seen Price's putt. Yeah. And there we go, another birdie. Easy. And the support was great. Um, you make birdie, and they get you fired up a little bit. Uh, you feel pretty good about making birdie, but uh, they kind of give you an extra little boost. When you hit a good shot in there, they're, some of the kids are screaming and yelling, and it, it was it was pretty neat. Now Tiger's having a cut at this. Get on, my son. That sort of crowd rawness, or the Tiger crowd, as they speak, I think mean, that's come over generations. I don't think that was round then. Uh, I think the Ryder Cup's been a big part of that. Back then, from what I remember, it was pretty quiet, and everyone was respectful in the tee box, for sure. Back to the ninth green. Tiger Woods for birdie. This to take the outright lead. Very solid. Out in 30, which is the best of the championship so far. And he is in the thick of things straight away. Four birdies through the front nine set Tiger up for a first round score of 65, tied with fellow American John Houston. A very nice round of golf will be all made in the back nine. Unfortunately for Marco Mira, however, the putt simply wouldn't drop on day one. Mira for a three. Will he finish with the grandstand? Finish? No. Well, that says uh, 37 home and the round of 72. I remember the first day I, I played okay. I didn't play great. Um, I didn't throw myself out of the tournament, which I, I could have if I shoot two or three shots higher. Um, so I was still kind of in position, and after the first round, it was like, okay, like any golf tournament, especially a major, let alone a, an open championship, you know, you want to make the cut. You know, you want to play on the weekend. Brian Watts, second shot to the 17th. 
Brian Watts playing with Sandy Lyle and Mizumaki. Brian Watts was a man happy playing away from the spotlight. The Canadian-born American was making his fifth appearance at the major closest to his heart. Despite being American, the Open was always my number one goal, I promise you. Because of my family, my true heritage of my family, my dad being English, all my, half my family being from England, watching Tom Watson and Jack Newton uh, playing St. Andrews at age 14, along with a host of other golf clubs on that trip. We were over in the UK for over a month that summer. And just having, you know, that kind of upbringing, of course, it was most special to me. Watts' his golf in life up until that point had been less than typical. After struggling in his homeland, he'd found his groove on the Japan Tour and since 94 had forged a good career, winning 11 events, one of which came just two weeks before he headed to Birkdale. I remember hitting the ball well. I remember getting up and down a lot. Brian Watts at the 18th. He got his uh, birdie at the 17th, and that's for a par at the last. So he's uh, he's done very well, home in 32, around in 68. And after the first day, I was totally excited, right? I believe Tiger might have been leading with about a 64 or five or something like that. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, I've got my a good round. The quiet American went through day one largely without the attention of television cameras or the world's press but his score of 68 would set up a second round nobody could ignore. Well, it's a very different scene at Royal Birkdale today. Yesterday's summer sunshine has gone. The summer rain returned early this morning. The rain is not accompanied by any more than a gentle breeze of some 15 miles an hour, but it's certainly not the good scoring conditions or the good spectating conditions we had for yesterday's opening round. The forecast is for the morning rain to move away, but perhaps the breeze to strengthen this afternoon. Ryan Watts at the ninth is for a par to stay one under, which he gets. I remember teeing off early and it was nasty. It was raining and the winds were horrendous, you know, 30 plus mile an hour winds. And I think it, throughout the day, it got to 40 miles an hour. Brian Watts at the 12th, one under. So it's that well out, turning, turning, turning. Oh, look out. <laughs> Beautiful shot on this very difficult short hole. And no matter how well you were hitting the ball, you couldn't hit the green, basically. And so short game was the thing and, you know, mental toughness and course management, all those things that uh, were kind of my strong suits. It all uh, kind of came into one at one time at the right time. Everything was kind of blossoming for me at that time. Brian Watts, this is his third shot on 17. Very difficult putt. Now that is a brilliant putt. Good touch. For a par four. Very nice. That's a 69. Very well compiled indeed. After we finished that day, we knew we had you know, two golf scores, and the goal is not to win on day two or day one. It's just to keep playing well. I think we would have practiced in the afternoon a little bit, did my interviews and those things, and you know, gone back to the house that we rented and you know, kind of hung out. Also enjoying an early finish after a good day's work was Mark O'Meara. Mr. Consistency's score of 68 had brought him back in contention for the weekend. So Marco Mira, he's played some of the best golf this morning without any doubt. Out of the semi-rough, now this will chase on. Didn't look as if that was very much club. Six iron even, has looked five iron. Beautifully played by O'Meara. That should come down off there just a little bit. Yes. Very good shot indeed by Amira, certainly giving himself a good opportunity for an eagle on the 17. I like playing in the wind. I like playing, keeping the ball down on the ground. I like the creativity factor of the Open Championship. And I knew that that week at Birkdale, it was going to be challenging that week. The course was set up good, but the weather was going to make it brutal out there on the golf course. Well, that's certainly going to help his course. And um, if he can finish on... Uh one or two under par for today, he's definitely going to be in contention for the final two rounds. It got windier and windier, but Amira, I think, was round in an incredible 68, and so from being down at, you know, 67th or whatever he was, or 62nd on the list, he suddenly shot up to a share of sixth place, and so then he became interesting, especially since he'd won the Masters, of course. This putt is a f for a four for Amira and a round of 68. Excellent. Excellent score. The only round under par so far today. He'd had all these years of grinding, 
you know, and doing pretty well without winning majors before this very special year. And that has to help if you've just, you know, he's come close and he's, you know, done well in the previous Open at Birkdale. And he knew how to grind. If Marco Mira was grinding, the 17-year-old amateur Justin Rose resembled a well-oiled machine. And if he keeps popping them in like that, uh, he'll carve himself quite a career. That's a nice start. It was one of those windy days that, you know, the professionals didn't really... They don't play in that often. So I felt like that was kind of quite indicative of some of the conditions we played in, in amateur golf a lot more frequently, a lot more regularly. I definitely remember a shot into number nine. There was a big crosswind from the right-hand side. The wind was so strong that you couldn't hold the ball into the wind. The wind moved my ball a little bit too much to the left-hand side of the green, and then I made that long putt across the green. <laughs> He's not ready. He has. Justin Rose out in 33. That's the only player today that's uh, toured the first nine in under par. Justin Rose, who's putting on a tremendous show and another putt. I was putting a really good round together. I knew you know, anything around par was just amazing. And then I had that amazing finish. Yeah, I hit a great approach into you know, the 17th hole, par five was playing downwind. It was obviously a birdie opportunity, but managed to make an eagle there. Well, this may be the story of the second round of this Open Championship. Justin Rose for eagle here at 17. Yes! This for 66. Get in there. Fabulous. That is fabulous. I believe that ties the low amateur record by Tiger Woods. I remember, you know, my dad really being so excited behind the 18th green and giving me a big hug. And I kind of was a little taken aback by his excitement because I actually probably didn't appreciate how good a round of golf it actually was. Um, but I'll always remember that moment. As a jubilant Rose savoured his round in the sunshine, there was little evidence of the spanner in the works for those just starting theirs. Well, the wind now has got up at least the 35, 40 miles an hour, and I'm starting to feel some rain here. This is really going to make it a real battle now, and uh, I hope the players can just cope with it, but uh, they're very unlucky to be off at this stage. And I believe they're going to stop play. They've suspended play, extreme weather. Even this wasn't your typical summer afternoon in Southport. At 5.26pm, play was suspended due to dangerous conditions. One man who couldn't wait to get off the course was Tiger Woods. Four bogeys through the front nine was a nightmare start, and he needed something special when play resumed some 40 minutes later. This for a birdie, this, it's, this and perhaps a birdie at the last would send him home, well, not rejoicing, but in happier mood. He's five over today. He's now four over. Tiger Woods... Uh hoping to make this his final stroke of this second round. And if you eliminated the break, you finished just to please the crowd, so we've had two birdie threes. And yes, he's quietly quite proud of himself, finishing with two birdies. A score of 73 kept Tiger's hopes alive. His co-leader after day one, John Houston, could only dream of such a card as he finished four shots back. Brian Watts, who'd missed the cut in three of his five previous Opens, found himself leading the championship. Because I was, don't want to come across arrogant, because I was used to winning, like in Japan, and I know the competition's way less, you know, no, no question about that, but your mindset is about doing those same kind of things. Even if you're winning many tour golf tournaments, your mindset when you go to the PJ Tour event is like, I'm used to winning and, you know, it doesn't scare me. Brian Watts' fairy tale lead had the makings of open legend. But if you glanced at Saturday's newspapers, chances are you saw a baby-faced teenager grinning back at you. And now Justin coming out. What a moment for the young man. But he's had plenty of experience in the big time. Walker Cups and monthly medals down at Fleet. It almost became Justin's Open because I, I certainly remember the back pages having pictures of him and people were talking about it as being... They were still saying, oh, he doesn't stand a chance, he's done really well to qualify, etc. But I don't think any of us thought how far he was going to take that. I mean, he was a young lad. I mean, it, you know, he looked younger than he actually was even, but, he, you know, it was almost like looking at a 14-year-old playing against 
all, all these top players. Even though the headlines were saying things like, you know, Britain's, not, Britain's answer to Tiger Woods or whatever it might have been, I also had a sort of a realisation that people didn't really expect me to go and win the tournament. They were getting behind the underdog. Wow, this is cool. What a great story. And I still had that sort of feeling of nothing to lose. I have definitely looked back at that mindset in times past and tried to recreate that at times in my career where I have felt the burden of expectation and pressure and all that type of stuff. And, you know, the more I can harness that 17-year-old kid, the more I can realize how free I was, that's where great golf comes from, that place. Beneath the Rose headlines was a warning for every player setting out on Saturday. With winds of 40 mile per hour forecast throughout the day, Burtdale was about to buy back. My thought would have, was at the time was, okay, let's, you know, on Saturday, let's, let's go out and play the best round we can just to try to get in position to where come Sunday, you know, you're in one of the last two or three groups, something like that, to where, you know, you have a chance. Amir at the first, two sixes for them. And so far, there have been 31 pars at this opening hole, two birdies, seven double bogeys, and be honest with you, and it's only the fifth most difficult. People have no idea unless you'll be able to play this type of golf course under these conditions, how hard it is to keep in there. Tiger for three at the fourth. For instance, uh, I had about a six footer on four that I. I figured I knew the wind was blowing from right to left, and I figured uh, no, no big deal. It probably wouldn't blow on a six-foot putt. So I played it right edge, and I hit it. It was breaking right in the center of the hole, and a gust of wind came up and hit it outside of the hole uh, from six feet. Well, see, but look at the look at the speed he hit that one. So just imagine when you got 30 and 40, 50 footers out there, uh, how difficult it is. Tiger Woods on the fifth. Trying to tidy up, but that's another one gone. With the ball moving all over the shop, Tiger's putting woes would only get worse. Tiger has got this for bogey. No break in the left wrist there. And again, he's two or three feet high again. And he wraps that one up. Gee, thanks. Four, five, six. I hope it doesn't go in sequence. Four drop shots over three holes for Woods was a real momentum killer. But while he faltered, his pal, Mark O'Meara, found the golfing gods smiling down on him. You look back after the event's over, after the tournament's over, you know, of where you got lucky, where maybe you got that little extra bounce or, you know, the good things that happened to you. What it, that's Those are the things that it takes to win a championship of that magnitude. And, you know, it's pretty well documented what happened to me on the sixth hole on that Saturday. Well, there's a bit of a hold up here on the uh, sixth. Omira, Mark Omira's hit a driver with his second shot and hit into the bushes out on the right. He was looking for his ball and he started to walk back. He walked back 50 yards and they started shouting that they got the ball back. Then he said, put his arm in the air and said, no, I'll carry on, walk back. Hasn't dropped a ball yet. And now they're screaming and shouting that they found it again. You know, at that time, the rule was five minutes. And I think after about two minutes, I was already thinking, man, I don't know if I could even play this if I found it. And so they're all like, well, no, it's right around here and this and that. And, I, and I'm kind of a conscientious type of guy. I'm thinking, well, to save time, you know, maybe I should start heading back while you all keep looking. And I kind of got about halfway back and somebody in the gallery yelled to my caddy, Jerry, that gentleman over there picked your player's ball up and he's got it in his pocket. Amazingly enough, the whole place had been trampled down and he, he was able to drop in a place which enabled him to have a chip to over, you know, chip to the hole and he made a five, which and it could have been an incredible number worse. I think this is his third shot. Nice job. Well, from having to nearly go back and play three off the tee, to be three on the green, he'd take that. You know, I know that's on Saturday and it's on the sixth hole, but still, you know, that could have been a big momentum changer that if it had gone the other way, uh, where I would have had to go back and drop a ball and probably have made a, at least a double, possibly a triple bogey. Who knows if I would have recovered from that. After that let-off and four drop shots heading out, Omira's recovery was impressive. Omira, on the 13th, put out. Well, that's the kind of putt you regard as a total bonus. Now, Omira and a birdie came out of the bunker at the 17th. 
And that's very nicely done indeed. Omira two over. That 72 proved to be the third best score of the day. Only two players managed to get round without dropping a shot, while a windswept Tiger Woods carded a 77. And come the seventh, now Justin Rose, a par. That's a very, very good up and down from there. There were moments on that Saturday where I was definitely riding the crest of the momentum that the crowd were providing for me. And uh, I just definitely had some, some really out-of-body experience feels. I, I really felt like, oh my goodness, you know, I, I can do nothing wrong here. Waiting to play his third shot is Justin Rose. He's gone for backspin. And he's got it. He's got it. Uh, that was just marvellous. He got rid of all attitudes of Lynx land shots there. He just got on soft grass into the breeze and stopped it right by the flag. A beauty. I just remember having sort of freedom to not be too concerned about where my tee shots finished or where my ball was going to finish. I just really felt like I was always going to do something special to get the ball in the hole. This would be a lovely birdie for, would it not? And into second spot. His first birdie of the day. Got off to a shaky start. He's done amazingly well. The crowd are totally behind him. And he's handling all the situations remarkably well. It had been a brutal day. And as the final pair reached the 18th grandstands, Brian Watts and Justin Rose could be thankful for some shelter at last. So, round in 75, and I said at the beginning of the day, if he did that, it would be a very good. And he's done it. I think I readjusted my, my sort of my goals going into Sunday. Now it wasn't just about, oh, let's just see where I finish. You know what I mean? I still realised that no one was expecting me to win, so it was just bonus, you know, it was bonus time, really. But I did set myself a goal of finishing in the top 10. Now, this little putt for a 73 for Brian Watts, which will make him the championship leader by two. Thank you very much. Came home in level part. Good play. I shot 73 that day, which is three over, but it was a good golf score. Um, you know, even Phil Mickelson, you know, he shot 85 that day. Justin Leonard, who had won a, the year before, I believe, shot 82 that day. My 73 wasn't the low score, but it was definitely an out, a very, very good score, which put me in position the next day. As well as live leaderboards, tee times, video and radio during the Open Championship, you can enjoy historical and new content every day of the year with the Open app. Download for free on iPhone or Android. As the countdown to the 150th Open at St Andrews continues, the Open's official website has more content than ever before to whet your appetite for a landmark championship. Visit theopen.com today and explore our vast library of videos as well as a host of new features, championship updates, ticket and hospitality information, venue guides, every episode of the Open podcasts and much more. I actually slept better on Saturday night. I remember waking up after 10, 10 o'clock in the morning. And so I must have slept, you know, at least 11 hours. And so when I got up, there wasn't a lot of time to start getting worried about or get anxious about because by the time I woke up, by the time I had breakfast, I got my stuff together. By the time I went through my routine, it was almost time to tee off. Come Sunday, Brian Watts, the well-rested leader of the Open, was in an extraordinary position at even par. Would I have slept so easily if I was him? I'm not so sure. The trio of Marco Mira, Jim Furyk and 97 runner-up Jesper Parnovic were just two shots behind. The precocious Justin Rose, with the home crowd behind him, was one further back. Even Tiger Woods at five over couldn't be counted out. Tiger Woods on the first. He's had a good one. Tiger was aggressive from the outset and gave himself a look at birdie on the first. Now. Conditions were much, much calmer than the previous two days. But this is Royal Birtdale we're talking about. And Tiger's going to give it the full works, I fancy, this afternoon. Looking good. Ah, it's turning. Well, it's all right if he holds the next one. We just stride off purposefully. No, if, if you look at it, when I hit the putt, there was a lot of wind blowing. 
and the wind came up at the ball was about I don't know about six feet short of the hole. Uh, just one of those things where the wind got me a little bit, and it hit a good second putt. Uh, just just didn't break in the hole. Ooh, three putted. He thought he'd gotten, but no. Well, that's poor. I had 17 holes. That's an eternity, and you got a lot of holes. Just a matter of getting yourself back in it and keep playing well and giving yourself chances. My whole goal was 14, 18, 14 fairways, 18 greens, and I know I'm going to make some putts. You're looking at this one and thinking, if I can just get it running down the left-hand side, at least I'll be level fours. Wood stepped off the second, confidence restored. His practice partner, Elmira, was just getting underway. Uh, Mark Elmira at the par three, at the fourth. And he always twirls the club as he releases it from the follow-through when he's pleased with the shot. And that was straight at it. for a two so there you are he's kept an even numbers four 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 and a two he's under par and he's just one off the lead on the team brian watts well i remember three putting a hole early on brian watts he thought, oh, it's gone a long way past. Stupid mistake, then came right back with a birdie right afterwards. Brian Watts coming up the slope, a huge break, right to left. It's his third shot. He's read it well. <laughs> well, he three-putted the last, and we all thought panic would set in. Instead of that, he's come back with a smart birdie, and he's suddenly out on his own again. The final day, my ball striking was top-notch. Uh, I put my best Nick Price or Nick Faldo game that I could. You know, fairway green, fairway green, fairway green. But I was always, you know, 20 feet, 30 feet, 40 feet for birdies, which made it difficult. Brian Watts would only manage par over the next six holes. Luckily, his biggest threat, Elmira, had dropped a shot over the same stretch and needed a boost as he stepped into the 12th tee box. I kind of drew on some of the things that had transpired prior at Open Championships and certainly when I won there uh, in 89. Like, the, for example, the, the 12th hole, the par three, I remember hitting a really good shot. Good shot. Perfectly pin high. I just remember the quality of the shot that I hit. I think I hit a four iron, something like that, four or five iron, and the wind was just slightly off the right, and I kind of hit a, a little bit of a cut, held it up against the wind, and, and made birdie. Long putt for a birdie. He's on a roll, is he? Well, he did it at the Masters of Augusta. We saw Justin Leonard do it last year at Royal Troon. Over the last few holes, somebody rolling putts in. That good work was undone almost instantly as O'Meara hit it into a greenside bunker on 13 and fell back to one over. Watts, meanwhile, dropped a shot on 12, leaving him tied for the lead with playing partner Jim Furyk and O'Meara. This could be anyone's open. Even Tiger Woods, three shots back. Tiger has been extraordinarily lucky here. He hit a massive drive, way offline. He's gonna give this the business as well. that finds the target, that could well be a very influential stroke in this championship. Massive shot. Woods at 15. That was for Eagle. Certain birdie. Tiger Woods at the 17th. He's had three fours, three birdies at this hole. This is his fourth shot, though. Needs to chip this in if he's going to keep the sequence going. You may be running out of holes. I was always trying to do the, the, the catching, and I was trying to get get some birdies going so I could be in the hunt. Um, most of the day I was four over par, and I just really wasn't doing anything. And I thought if I could shoot somehow about 30, 31, maybe in a 32 if I'm lucky on, on the back nine, um, who knows, I might have a chance of winning. Tiger at the 18th. This putt for 66. 
you believe it. It was a short game masterclass, classic Tiger Woods, and it installed him as leader in the clubhouse at One Over Park. What's more, it had electrified the Burtdale crowds. But things were about to get much, much louder. I remember the beginning part of the round, and again, potentially not getting off to the greatest start, but um, you know, I kept, I hung in there, I think is probably the best thing I could say on the Sundays. I hung in there really, really well. Final drive, Justin. Like, well, she watched him for a couple of holes and we just got hooked and we literally followed him. I think, I remember right from the fifth onwards, I think we, we didn't leave his side from the fifth right way through the 18. We got the position on the 18th and we sat there, we were high up in the, in the stand. Um, and when he hit his second shot into the rough, there was a groan. People thought, that's it. Well, that was the best he could do. Justin Rose, third shot. Really, to be honest with you, my recollections of that shot on 18 are now embedded in my brain through what I've seen back on TV. I think at the time, I was just trying to sort of get in and get out, you know, job done, don't make nine, down 18, it's been a brilliant week, just sort of, you know, finish it off and, and, and get out of here. Him and his Kylie must have discussed that for a member, right? Probably a good, it was the longest shot of the day for sure. He, he didn't just step up and, and play that shot. He went back to his bag, changed his club two or three times, spoke to Caddy and, you know, we were close enough. We could hear sort of the odd word they were saying. And I think he, he double-checked the yardage three or four times. Are you sure? Are you sure that's my yardage? You know, people sort of think that I had about a, you know, I don't know, a hundred yard shot into 18 or an 80 yard shot, but it was only about 40 yards. It was about, you know, 25 yards short left of the green had to go over one of those pot bunkers and the pin was cut, you know, pretty close to it. So it was basically a high lob shot. The shot just came out absolutely perfectly. Get in! Get in, they cry. I've never heard a noise like that come up in 18th. I don't think I ever will to this day, you know. It just erupted, and of course his reaction again was fantastic, wasn't it? He, he looking to the sky, raising his arms. He was as surprised as the rest of us that had gone in. That's the one shot that I've had to try to live up to and get past. And you know, for a long time, that shot became a little bit of a burden to me, if I'm honest, because you know I did have a tough start to my professional career, and as great as it was, and, and I'm so grateful now knowing I've had what I feel is a successful career that I'm proud of and I've been able to move forward and move past that moment and be able to look back at it with fond memories and go, God, that was the start of something great. To see my dad there clapping me, you can see the pride in his face and in his eyes and obviously you know, my sister jumping up and down on her tippy toes. And um, Yeah, those are memories that definitely warm my heart. Justin had finished two over for the championship enough for an eventual tied fourth with Jim Furyk and Jesper Parnovic. Plus, he'd go home with the silver medal. As the 18th grandstands rocked, Marco Mira back on 17 lined up a crucial putt. I had this 14-footer for birdie, and I looked over, and I saw the Tiger had finished at one over, and there was somebody else that went over, and I, and I, as I was lining my putt up and I was getting ready to put it down, I actually felt very confident that I was going to make it. And the reason why is because I, my self-talk was, I know Tiger's probably watching this right now, and I make these all the time when we're at home playing against each other. And this is gonna drive him nuts when I pour this one in the middle. And this to take the lead. Go in, go in, go in. And in it goes, and after a poor drive, a very good third shot in a great part. Two under today, level par, and the leader by one stroke. O'Meara would close out his round with a par, piling the pressure on Brian Watts a shot behind as he headed down 17. I remember having a pitch from maybe 30, 40 yards, something like that. You couldn't lob it on top. You had to bump it into the, the slope beforehand, bounce it up and kind of stop. And I just remember goosing it just a little bit to where the ball didn't grab fast enough. And it went by the hole probably 20 feet, maybe 15 feet, something like that. Brian Watts for a birdie at the 17th to tie the lead. Uh, because I hadn't pulled many putts all day, that was the, that was one that really got me, oh my gosh, you know, what a great clutch putt. And I was so jacked going into the last hole. Maybe Brian was a little too jacked on 18. 
His tee shot found the first cut on the left-hand side, and what happened next was less than ideal when you tied for the lead of the Open. Now he's got to grip nice and firm, a little bit tighter, keep the body still, drive it through. Just top, he could nearly have got that on the front of the green. Well, he's still smiling. That's left him an awkward one because he's so near the back of the bunker and the bunker is narrow. He'll need to conjure up a bit of magic from there to get it close. My son Sean, who was nine years old at the time, as Brian Watts was walking to into the bunker, he looked up at me and he's like, Dad, you're gonna win. You're gonna win. And I and I remember looking at my son at the time and I said, Sean, I said, you can't. You can't think that way. He goes, well, well, what do you mean, Dad? And I said, well, you have to expect the unexpected. You always have to think that your opponent is going to do something well. I think Andy, my caddy, got there first, and the ball was barely in the bunker, right? Which means it rolled to barely get into the bunker. And, oh, my gosh, the only thoughts were, how am I going to get the ball out? The ball was below my feet in the bunker. I couldn't even get a stance, a proper stance. And so your mind is just going, how am I going to get this ball onto the green, knowing that I have to get it onto the green and make some kind of miracle putt to go into a playoff? But my mind was actually to try to hold it. And I know that sounds so weird because how could you even dream of something like that? But that's what golfers do. We dream of things that are not even possible. Took a nice little kick on the slope to the right and was going towards the hole. I've got a great picture that a photographer gave me, and I've got this smirk on my face after it got close. And all that was was me realizing that my thoughts, not the technique, not anything else, my thinking was the reason why the ball got up there so close to, I don't know what it was, one foot maybe or something like that. That really was a magical shot. And you'd have to say that's the shot of the championship after young Justin had held out, but uh, that under these circumstances was quite magical. Once again, the crowds were roaring as Watts tapped in for a 72-hole score of even par, tied with O'Meara. For the 15th time in its history, the Open would be decided by a playoff. You know, I had to go in and sign my scorecard. I needed to decompress a little bit. Um, you know, I'm sure others might have wanted me to hurry a little bit more to the tee, but I was decompressing just a little bit, sitting in the locker room just for a couple minutes after signing my card. I had to go and prepare, and, and I got out to the the, the 15th hole, the, the, the par 5, and, and I had to wait for about maybe, I stood on that tee for minimum 10, probably almost 15 minutes waiting for Brian, because after he signed his card, he wanted to go and get something to eat. And, of course... I, they rushed me out there right away, and I had to just sit there and wait for them. Mark, drive some tails you drive. Okay, which one? Tail. That's a tail? Head on the other side. For tails you drive. <laughs> I went over to 15, and I have to admit, I, I was nervous. I mean, I was nervous for all the days and stuff. Um, I remember missing the first fairway as a par five, but I recovered well in the second shot. Watts would have 146 yards to the flag. O'Meara, having hit three wood for his second, sat just in front of the green. Watts has um, a really quite a nice shot in. Wind's just very light, so that's not going to affect it too much. Uh, and, uh, you know, really, with the greens being fairly receptive, he could get this quite close. Well, that was nicely played, quietly played. That was a very nice push for He's 146 yards away. He may well have pushed in a little seven there. Well, if Amira gets inside him, he'll have played a good shot. And he's played a nice shot. I'd like to say he's put it his first. But whoever it is, if they get it in, well, now I think the decision has been made and it's O'Meara. Nice birdie four. Well, he's gone all week and never birdied it. He's uh, chosen to do it now. Not a bad time. 
he would have hated watching Amira having that six-footer first because, you know, he would have thinking, oh, golly, I'm not going to like what I've got, I've got to do if he holds that. And, of course, Amira did hold that. Now, again, stands to the left, looks very relaxed, just like a quiet weekend afternoon. Either he didn't read it or he pushed it a little bit, and so uh, Amira has the advantage of one stroke. Well, you know, I, I felt like I had the advantage, you might say. Uh, I don't know if control would be the perfect world because 16, 17, and 18 are not that easy of a holes out there. The next hole, I was inside him again. Maybe he was 25 feet, and I was maybe 15, 20 feet, and we both parred. Uh, I struggled again on 17 with my tee ball, but I made a big putt for a par to stay one behind. If he misses this, and Amira takes two-shot advantage, He's got his work cut out. What a putt. What a five. How can a man with this temperament not be able to get a card in the United States tour, Peter? Had five goes at it, Alex, and didn't manage it, and then took his talents to Japan, where he is, uh, he's very successful. O'Meara led the playoff by one as they headed down 18. Unfortunately for Brian Watts, he was about to suffer from massive deja vu. Mark, I'm sure he hit the fairway, knocked it on the green a long ways away, but I knew I needed birdie. And my second shot, I was going for the pin, and I ended up being in the bunker, similar to where I was on the 72nd hole. He's tweaked it. He's bounced it. No, he didn't. He was trying to reach it right into the, into the green, and that's... Well, it may, may be a slightly awkward stance again. After he, the bunker shot that he hit on the 72nd hole, uh, I wasn't counting him out by any means, but I did feel a little bit more at ease having the lead. He's got to hold it, really. And I knew I had to hold it, and I think I knocked it way past the hole, like 30 feet or something like that, and made another bogey. Marco Mira with his ball 15 or so feet away, now had three putts for the championship. He's not sure. <laughs> He's, uh, it's all very well to have a smile. Yeah, oh, well done. Well done, Marco Mira. A very classy open champion. I mean, just a thoroughly nice guy. We'd had the excitement of Justin Rose, we had Tiger in the field, and then this wonderful, what was it I called him? Um, delightfully ordinary, you know. <laughs> I mean, he was delightfully ordinary. He didn't, uh, you know, he didn't wear fancy clothes or anything. He just sort of went about his business, enjoying his golf. The champion golfer of the year, and the winner of the gold medal with a score of 280, Mark O'Meara. To all the fans and the spectators, what can I say? I mean, of all the championships throughout the world, this, in my, in my opinion, is the most special championship there is. Mark wasn't wrong. The 1998 Open arguably changed the lives of at least four of its key protagonists. The 17-year-old Justin Rose, a future major winner, Ryder Cup star, and Olympic champion who had captivated a nation that week in July. I do remember going out for dinner on the Sunday night and walking into a restaurant and got a standing ovation from the whole restaurant. I was like, whoa, you know, what, <laughs> what world am I living in now? I was like, oh boy, this is, uh, this is different. Brian Watts, whose career was sadly curtailed just a few years later due to injury, but will always look back on his time at Birkdale with pride. Great experience. Totally jacked, you know, I was the runner-up in the Open Championship. Great highlight for my career. Part of me is so excited, here I am getting to talk about it again 23 years later, but there's also a part of me that's very disappointed I didn't win because you go down in history, you can always have that next to your name. The man who would go on to thrill the Open and the world for years to come, Tiger Woods. That next day when I flew back across the Atlantic with him on his plane and I had the Clara Jug in its case, after I convinced him to, to let us get the trophy out so he could see it, that he would see that 
the greatness of that claret jug and what it meant. And then I told him, I said, you know, I truly believe that your name's going to be on this trophy way more than one time. I said, the good thing is my name's on there before you. Oh, well done. Two years later would be the year of Tiger Woods. Well, at least one of them. But 1998, there was no doubt who that belonged to. You know, when I watch the Open Championship, uh, I realize, and, and I have the claret jug. To me, that's one of the great trophies in all of sport. Forget about just golf. And my appreciation for Lynx golf, my appreciation for the RNA, and my appreciation for the history of the Open Championship is, I can't even really express the way I feel about it. I mean, it's beyond belief. I, I just always felt like if, if I only had one, that would be the one that I'd want. That was the story of 1998, narrated by me, Tommy Fleetwood. It was written and edited by Alistair Creswell. The supporting producers were Chris Lewis and Mike Birch. The executive producers were Paul Sutcliffe and Steve Tebb. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this edition of The Story Of. Watch Sevi, artist, fighter, legend, for free today. Described as poignant, essential viewing, this feature-length film showcases the legendary Ballesteros like you've never seen before. Stream it today for free on Rakuten TV. Subscribe to The Open's official YouTube channel to enjoy the best video content from golf's original championship, including official films dating back to 1970, full final rounds from past opens, a range of compilations showcasing memorable moments, highlights from the 149th Open, and much more. Subscribe today to make sure you don't miss a thing. This has been an original audio production from The Open.